Hey y'all, this is Jonathan Martin coming at you with another edition of the Zeitcast from Northern Ireland, everybody. I'm in Northern Ireland right now in a beautiful place called the Marla Lodge, um, kind of a little bed and breakfast in an old house here. For those of you who are actually watching by video, I'll scan around the room for just a second so you can get a sense of it. Doesn't this just kind of feel like something out of, I don't know, like Downton Abbey or something? I've actually never seen an episode of Downton Abbey, but in my head, I imagine this is what that would be like. How would I know? Um, it really is gorgeous here in Northern Ireland. I feel like I should give a disclaimer for people who are watching. I know I look greasy. I know I am desperately in need of sleep because uh, I barely slept at all last night. I'm desperately in need of a shower. Um, I came in kind of hot off the plane and then drove several hours to get here this afternoon. Uh, but hey, I committed to go to you guys daily. And before I did any of that, I wanted to take a few minutes to at least check in. Um, we are going to have some really, really great guests in the next few days. So there's a lot happening that won't just be me talking to a microphone. Um, stuff like um, some wonderful conversations. Um, the event I'm doing here called Open Skies Ireland is a music festival. And on Sunday, me and my friend Jason Upton and my friend Pat Barrett from House Fires will be doing the main stage session. That's actually going to be broadcast on the BBC for a weekly show they do on religion and spirituality. So just some really, really cool things happening while I'm here. And I'm going to be doing Open Skies Netherlands the following weekend in Holland. So really some great things going on. And it'll be exciting to introduce you to some of those other folks and friends and have some great guests on all that. But what I wanted to do today before I jump into anything else um, Ireland is a place that is famous for its thin spaces or thin places. Um, this idea that, well, it's just a place where a lot of mystics and saints have come, have always come, because there's this idea, um, there seems to be a reason that there are a lot of sacred sites here, a lot of holy places, where it just seems that somehow the veil's a little bit thinner between here and whatever is on the other side. Um, there's always been kind of a mystery around that. And people have often come to Ireland on some kind of a pilgrimage of their own. Um, I came here last in November of last year, and I guess that was the third time I'd been to Ireland. But I was on a pilgrimage, and I don't even think I knew that I was on a pilgrimage. But looking back, I think that's definitely what it was. There was this sense of feeling summoned to be here. There was a sense of feeling called. I didn't even really know how to talk about that at the time. I remember telling just a handful of people, including my parents, that and feeling um, absolutely ridiculous because I, I really didn't know how to articulate just this thing that I was feeling. Um, for one, I don't think that sounded legit to anybody because people who know me know that I'm a massive U2 fan, to say the least. And I know that might seem like a bit of a cliche for somebody like me, but it is what it is. Like U2 has shaped my life in so many ways. And they were that week going to be playing the final week of their songs of Innocence and Experience tour. Of course, I wanted to catch that. They were closing out the tour in their hometown of Dublin with four consecutive shows. I wanted to see every one of them. So I kind of hustled up some last minute speaking things I could do. Not that would pay me any money, but kind of just help pay my way. Slash, maybe more than anything, just sort of mentally and emotionally justify coming on this trip. So I came up with some other things to do and some friends were generous in that way to just, you know, give me some other stuff to do while I was here. But it was a really interesting moment in my life. And looking back on it now, 
I can see just how significant it was, just how much transition I was really in, even in ways I don't think I fully understood at the time. And I just kind of felt like on my first day of my trip to Ireland here, it's worth circling back around because I think that journey was so important for me while kind of in this in-between transitional space. And for anybody else who's in a transitional space or what we might say a liminal space in that in-between space, I just felt like maybe this could be helpful for somebody. So I came here that week. Um, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, where I lived for, you know, like a hot minute. Love Nashville. Great place to be. Had moved there essentially because of community. I had some good friends there, but not like a real job or proper gig or anything like that. Um, so I'm in Nashville, but um, so much of my life just seemed disrupted then. I feel like especially coming on five days a week, the longer this goes, the more I'll tell about my life. So um, I'll, I'll say this much for now. It was probably, it had been an especially strange year because, um, I don't know, I had already in 2016 uh, written a book called How to Survive a Shipwreck, which, uh, by the way, I don't mean this is some big plug. But the audiobook for How to Survive a Shipwreck finally comes out on September 3rd, which I'm very excited about. But that book's deeply personal for me, chronicles the most painful season of my life, um, walking through a very painful divorce, uh, leaving the church that I founded and led for nine years in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, a lot of soul and a lot of heartbreak in that book. And if you'll bear with me, this is all connected. I recall when I was writing it having this imperative in my soul, this sense of needing to write my way to shore, you know, because I knew I wasn't there. I knew that um, I wasn't whole. I knew I wasn't well. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, one of my mentors, the great Stanley Hauerwas, talks about how he often writes to figure out what he believes. And I found that to be true for me, too. I often do have to write to find out what I believe. I have to write to discern. I have to write in order to know. And I thought that was okay. I thought there was even, um, that was the part of the calling on my life in that season somehow was to, uh, to write about it while it was still unresolved and I was still kind of in the thick of things. But I did not only in the writing of that book, but for those couple of years after that, I, it was like I was just trying to wish myself to shore. I needed my story to be resolved. I needed to have a happy ending. And in ways that, um, you know, nobody's at fault at but me here. I, I just I just kept trying to force that, I think. I kept trying to force the ending um, so that I could put a bow on it so I could say, this is where I was. But look where God has brought me now. Everybody loves a redemption story. And I needed a redemption story. I needed a comeback story that um, that felt resolved. I needed to feel complete. And yet the thing that was so nagging is that I always knew that was hollow in some level. Nothing in, in the book that felt untrue. In fact, part of what I think happened is that the things that were in print, I was glimpsing these things. Um, yet, you know, I was seeing them from afar. I wasn't fully living there yet, but I was glimpsing these things. And now um, I feel like I have got to some of those places and have lived in some of those spaces uh, much longer. But at the time, I was just glimpsing them. I I wanted to be home, and I wanted to make myself a home. 
And I just felt like last year in particular, you know, um, I was, it was after a long dating relationship after divorce. And I had this whole year where I just felt like I was searching to kind of find myself again and to find my own real name. And, you know, the fact that I had moved halfway across the country again, um, I had several kind of short-term relationships. I was just sort of, I just felt there was a lot of seeking, a lot of wondering. I still very much felt this very essential connection to God, as I understand God, this connection to the Holy Spirit, but definitely felt like there was this lack of clarity and lack of purpose and needing to kind of figure out what the second half is supposed to look like for me and just having no clue. And I could feel myself flailing. I could feel myself really trying to make stuff happen. So I get to Ireland um, knowing that I was really excited to see you two four times consecutively in Dublin. Who, How could you not be? Knowing I was excited to see some friends here, but having no idea what to expect. And I'm telling you, there was a just, there was an enchantment about that week. And there was a wonder about that week, you know, like a childlikeness, something that I got back in touch with that is hard for me to find words for even now. So I remember in particular, I was going to those YouTube shows. And I wasn't dating anybody. I went entirely by myself. You know, I got to stay and hang out with friends while I was here. But each of those shows I went to alone. And that was an intense and interesting thing. I am an only child, but also kind of an extrovert. You know, you'd think I'd want to be with other people. Man, something about going night after night and getting lost in those big songs that really have been the soundtrack of my life. and singing my heart out to the top of my lungs, dancing. And y'all know I'm 6'5", 230. I mean, it's dangerous when I kind of cut loose. But, oh, I mean, there was no inhibition. There was no self-consciousness. I was, I was just a little kid again. And I've, I've believed for a long time now, and that kind of brought all this full circle, that it's when we're in those places where we're completely past self-consciousness that's when we're most awake to the presence of God. That's when childlikeness is restored. That's when we are who we were truly created to be. It's like all that just got restored. And I remember more than once, um, I mean, there were a couple of individual moments, but there was this prevailing sense all week long. And y'all, um, whenever I talk about God speaking to me, I always, I always want to be reserved in how I do that because I'm really not this person who feels like, you know, God tells me every morning what to wear or what to eat for breakfast or whatever. I don't feel like God speaks to me like that all the time. There are a handful of times in my life where I've had this sense that the Spirit, however I understand, or you might understand the Holy Spirit, has spoken to me in a way that was clear and profound. And that week was one of them. And I felt like at every turn, there was this whisper in my soul of the Holy Spirit saying, the shipwreck season is over. I just kept hearing that over and over again. The shipwreck season is over. It, at that point, it had been five years. And there was just this sense that this long, long season where I felt like everything I'd written about, everything I talked about was so saturated in that sense of loss and in that pain. The season was over. 
And I remember one night in particular, I was at one of the YouTube shows again by myself, and the band was playing a song that I adore off the album Octung Baby. And just so you know, Octung Baby in my mind is the greatest rock album of all time. And uh, yes, I do rank it even higher than the Joshua Tree, which for some YouTube fans is controversial, but I do. And I'm hearing Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, which is a song that I'm really into, but it's never had any kind of sentimental meaning for me uh, or spiritual meaning. You know, plenty of YouTube songs that have deep spiritual meaning. That's just not been one of those for me that's ever stirred my soul. But there was this moment that broke me open out of nowhere where Bono is singing. There's this part of the song where he sings, don't turn around, don't turn around again, don't turn around and don't look back. And when I heard those words, something happened inside me. It was as if God was serenading me with those words. It was as if God himself or herself, the spirit herself, was singing those words into me. Don't turn around. Don't turn around again. And don't look back. And I started weeping in the middle of this YouTube show by myself like an idiot. And it was wonderful. The freedom, the lack of inhibition, the sense of the Holy Spirit at work. There was just such a freedom and such a peace. And the thing about it was, I still hadn't figured out exactly what I was going to do with my life. There were still a ton of questions that were unanswered. There were still all kinds of particulars that were not remotely resolved. But I knew somehow by the end of that week that something inside of me had shifted. And, you know, um, the best way I'd know to describe it, I felt like it was as if God had carved out space in me for something new. That's what it felt like. I didn't know what the new thing was. I didn't know what the new thing would be. I just knew that space was being carved out in me for something else. So let me fast forward for a minute. I get back from... Ireland to Nashville. And there were these storylines that had been very unresolved. Everything was still dangling, been up in the air, had no idea where anything was going to land. And I want to talk about these things discreetly because, you know, that's my policy about anything I tell ever is I don't mind my own blood being on the page, but I don't want anybody else's to be there. And, and none of this reflects poorly on anybody else, just to give you a sense of where I was. Um, there were two churches that had talked to me very, very seriously about becoming their pastor. And we went deep into the process, like multiple months of interviews and phone calls and meetings. And both of those churches came right down to the wire. And my sense was one of them was going to happen. You know, I, again, I had this, this whole year that I was kind of looking for meaning and I felt like, okay, so God has brought me to this city for a reason. And clearly one of these places is where I'm supposed to be. And this is how this is going to work. So let me tell you what happens within, oh, two or three weeks after coming back from this trip. Um, I, I had meetings with both of these churches, right? Both 
great churches in their own way. Not a thing in the world negative to say about either one. You know, this is all about fit and discernment and um, what happens when God does speak and those moments of clarity come. Uh, the one church was established, had been around kind of a long time, and um, I would say has a lot more in common with where I come from in terms of flavor, the more like the, my roots, you know. And there were a lot of things that I love about that. But there also seemed to be kind of an openness, you know, potentially to change and to the future that was exciting to me too. But when it came right down to it, um, the bottom line was uh, in the last lengthy conversation that we had together, that for as much as there were shared values and um, a lot of ways it seemed like it could be a beautiful fit, my own journey theologically had just made me too inclusive for them, as I find to be often true in some of the evangelical and Pentecostal spaces where I come from. I felt like I was too open-minded that uh, uh, the fact that in my theology now there truly is space for everybody at the Lord's table was a bridge too far. And I understood that. And I didn't take it as some kind of personal rejection or whatever. It's like uh, I would, you know, I was determined to be completely honest through the process. I didn't want to, you know, uh, get hired at something under false pretenses. Like, okay, well, that's that's legitimate. That makes sense. I'm not the right fit. Uh, that's what couldn't be right for them or me because this is who I really am. And that open table message is probably my most central message now. But what was interesting about that is at the same time, I was also talking to a church that was much more progressive and much more inclusive. And in that regard, I felt like, you know, I have a lot more in common with them now in some ways because I thought there was that kind of shared value of an open table. But when push came to shove, uh, by the time we had multiple meetings and all that, uh, it became very clear to me that for all the things that we shared in common, that in that space, um, that I seemed a little too, I think, Jesus-y for them, too Jesus-oriented, too Pentecostal, too on about the Holy Spirit. This guy's still talking about speaking in tongues and signs and wonders and the whole nine. And I think that for some of them um, felt like triggers of fundamentalism or something. Uh, footnote on that, by the way, um, uh, speaking in tongues doesn't really have anything to do with fundamentalism. I know people in Reiki who speak in tongues. But, uh, you know, that was just like, I just like, I, we were just not quite at the same place culturally like that. And, all of that shook down within a couple of weeks after this trip. And I just thought it was so interesting because it was like, okay, wow, here we are. So in one camp, I'm too inclusive, I'm too open. In the other, I'm too Jesus-y, a little too Pentecostal, a little too into the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. Uh, just not going to be a fit. And I almost felt like those two opportunities felt like an allegory for my whole life. That's what my whole life feels like now, of never quite fitting in anymore, of not quite having a sense of home, uh, any sort of kind of tribal affiliations. It's not feeling like I, I'm ever, I ever fully belong. And I didn't experience that even then as some sort of, you know, persecution or feeling like I'm some kind of a victim. It was nothing like that. You know, it's just a displacement can be pretty profound sometimes. And the sense of 
restlessness and the homesickness. And that does wear on you over time. But I tell you, um, not only when I got back from that trip, did those things resolve really quickly. It was also within like, say, another two weeks after that, that um, these things begin to bubble around Oklahoma City, some of which I'll share more about more in detail very soon. I'm excited about um, where it felt like all the open spaces in me were filled uh, that finally there was love in my life, that finally there was the kind of deep, meaningful connection that I had uh, that I was so thirsty for, where I found a people, a misfit people who seemed to be in that same kind of in-between space. Part of the reason I got involved with helping to start a new community again was, and again, I say this not pretentiously, but I just realized, hey, I don't think I'm going to be fit for much of anything that exists. I feel like what happened to those other two churches would probably play out over and over again. I'm going to be a little bit to this for these communities that are more conservative, and I'm going to be a little to that for communities that are more uh, progressive because, you know, there's still this hillbilly Pentecostal thing that I do, even if it's in a very inclusive way and it seems to freak everybody out on some level or another. So maybe being part of starting something new again is all there is for me. Um, But it was just wild how quickly those doors opened. And even though I knew it was going to be challenging and I knew that once again, I'd be kind of scrapping it out and digging it out because, you know, the other things I was looking for, in all honesty, after being out here for years, hustling, you know, um, doing the itinerant speaking thing and writing and felt like cobbling things together. I was ready for something that felt more like a proper job. I wanted something that felt stable. So, of course, there was some intimidation involved, like, okay, you're going to go to Oklahoma City and you're going to dig something out again. And yet it felt so right. It felt so clear. But I don't think any of that would be possible without that week that I had of feeling like God was carving out space. And I don't even know if that could have happened that way, even in a magical place like Ireland, if it weren't for those experiences I had being at silly rock and roll shows, you might think, where my inhibitions were so low. And it's like I remembered who I am again. I remembered who I was. I remember that I'm the boy on the bike. I remember what it's like to feel God's delight in me. I remember what it's like to dance and to wonder and to marvel. Remember what it's like to be, after years of being so heavy, to be carefree, where I wasn't trying to make anything happen and I wasn't trying to force anything and I was able to just be. It's been so long since I've been able to access that kind of space mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to just be. So I think I'm saying all that today to tell you this. My prayer for you, my hope for you now, is that you can find some space in the next day or two to just be, even if you're not able to get away to an enchanted place right now. Maybe you do need to get to an enchanted place. And if that's possible, if that's within your means or resources, then go for it. But whatever it would mean to carve out some space to just be wherever the place is that you go where you feel seen and you feel known, wherever the place is that you go where inhibitions are down, 
and your head is open and your heart is open, that place where you can hear the whisper of your spirit, the whisper of the spirit of God into your spirit, reminding you of who you really are, that whisper that isn't going to be barking orders or commands, but that voice that says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That voice that says, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because what I found is when you get to that place where you are able to delight and be delighted in, when you get to that place where you're able to know and to be known, that's where the answers come. That doesn't mean it's all going to unfold overnight. It still hasn't for me. That doesn't mean that then you're going to download a script or a five-year plan. But I do know this, that when you get empty enough in that way, when God carves out that kind of space in you and you get in that kind of quiet, there's a leading that comes out of those moments. There's a peace that comes. And the words of the apostle Paul, truly Christ does lead us through his peace. It's the peace of Christ that leads us. And that's going to be my prayer for you. Wherever you have to go, whatever you have to do to settle back into peace, to remember who you are, the answers come from that place. Where, um, I don't know who needs to hear this right now. You're not frantically, manically trying to find home anymore because what God wants to teach you is how to find home inside of you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's possible to find home inside yourself. It's possible to be at home in here, even when you don't feel like you belong to a particular people and you don't feel like you belong in a particular place. It's still possible. It's still very much possible to be home. So that's my prayer for you is that you find home inside, that the kingdom would be a home inside you, that God would be home. Thanks so much for tuning into the Zeitcast, you guys. Uh, As always, would appreciate if you would like, share, review on whatever platform you're uh, checking us out, whether that's YouTube or Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you feel so inclined, JonathanMartinWords.com has a link to my Patreon. Uh, We are doing this five days a week. And uh, any help that you can give us in being able to continue this work is deeply, deeply appreciated. Uh, But I seriously am praying for you guys because I do think that there are a lot of us right now who feel displaced and disillusioned and who feel homesick and who are looking to find that, that sense of home. So if you're in the liminal space, know that I am praying for you. And if this doesn't sound too churchy, Jesus is praying for you. I love those words that Jesus says to Peter. Uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. So keep that in mind. Jesus himself is praying for you. And uh, if you're feeling homeless, if you're feeling out of sorts, keep in mind homes right here, homes within you. The presence of God is within you, available right here, right now. Thanks for tuning into the Zeitcast, everybody. And I will see y'all on Monday.